0: Welcome back to the Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. And for the last
1: time covering an episode, we're going to do it the way, only way we know how to. That's with an episode overview, a little three-word episode review. The last one, we'll talk about what happened off the pitch and on the pitch, get you to that main theme of the episode,
0: a last round of
1: pup trivia, and also a final winner-winner football dinner, maybe... I think so, Brandon.
0: Well, we'll have to find out because today we are covering the series finale of season three. It's episode 12, So Long, Goodbye. This emotional final chapter of Ted Lasso took a lot of different turns and we're going to talk about it.
2: That's right. Um, And of course, final plea. uh, At Pod Underdogs, engage with us on social media. There's been a lot of really great discussion about the finale, uh, Twitter and Instagram. uh, So love that so far. And then of course... If uh, if for the last time you're listening to this show, although we are going to do a series wrap up as well, um, hit us up on uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Five star review really helps us, and uh, we're uh, we've grown significantly since uh, we started publishing in March. So I'm I'm really pleased about that.
0: All right. Well, look, we got to sum this one up. It's kind of the mega one, the finale. So much happening, but you know, three words. Here we go. Nick, what about you?
2: Better left unsaid. Uh, kind of, uh, an odd dialogue episode, and I think there was a lot, uh, that did not get communicated. All right, Dan? Dorothy departs Oz. Ted Lasso in
1: his red Nikes, tapping those heels one last time to head back (laughs) home.
0: No, that's well done. I said happy open endings, because, uh, they, they definitely, uh, hedged themselves, on this one, I think there's definitely some finality, but there's plenty more where they could continue if needed. So let's start with On the Pitch, aka the football stuff. It was the opening of last episode that started with a look at the Premier League table with Gary Lineker, Terry Henry, and Sky Sports. We learned Richmond is a one win. And drop points from City away from winning the Premier League. They were all picked to go down, be bottom of the table, and here they are on an unbelievable run from Ted Lasso's Richmond, sixteen in a row. Can you believe it? That is it. it and to be fair, sixteen unbeaten. Is that right, or is it sixteen
2: win streak, Nick? Regardless, that is it's that, it's a wild run. I mean, yes. like it it doesn't it doesn't happen very often in football, let alone from a team who was just promoted. Uh, into the Premier League, and so yeah, suspending disbelief a little bit is is critical here. But you know, they they needed to be 17, and for City to uh, to do something silly to to win the league. And if you know any recent history of your Premier League, City don't do something silly very often. So uh, it's a, it's a mountain to climb.
0: Well, I tell you what, looking at some of these, there are some wild streaks. It wouldn't quite quite crack the top. I mean, it's no Arsenal invincibles but there is a lot going on here. Uh, There's a lot about Rupert, Dan, and we know that uh, he is completely, um, what would you say, evolved full on to his character. I mean, we see a lot of the black cape in this episode as well. Look,
1: he's going into his cancel era, and that's the thing we need to think about Rupert in this moment is that the allegations have come out and... Two other individuals are stepping forward to provide information about misconduct at the highest level of West Ham Football Club, which sees him on the brink potentially of losing a second football club, the first one due to the same issue through divorce and potentially a second time. So, you know, very much putting him on
0: the precipice of losing a lot at the end of this season. Yeah. All right, I mean, you know, I just thought I'd leave it there. I don't want to give him too much of the limelight this early, but what comes next breaks <clears throat> Ted Becca shippers' hearts. As we As we enter the home of Rebecca Welton, who tells Tara Henry to shut up, just like Beer did in season two. I like two. that. Oh, that love nice. love the band. She's got to stick up for him. And then out of nowhere, Ted walks into the kitchen, disheveled. For a moment, he thought it. We all did. And then it, it came to a little bit of a moment of intimacy between Rebecca and Ted until the ultimate fake out took place. I was not prepared for this.
2: <laughs> this was
0: uncomfortable.
2: I don't know if anybody was prepared for uh, old old beard to come out in a, uh, in a red thong and a cut off t-shirt. Uh, and uh, the explanation that we're given is that there was a gas leak in the neighborhood and they i all well, stayed over at Rebecca's for a, a slumber party that perhaps was a little louder than it, it could or should have been. And, uh, look, no one wants to talk about it, I think no, is the real, is the real point here. Um, but we do get the, you know, the, uh, we, we didn't get the truth bomb on camera last week. Right. So, so we do get the confirmation of the truth bomb that, you know, uh, Rebecca says, it's not that I refuse to talk. About you going home, Ted, it's that I refuse to accept that you're not coming back. And so, you know, just as we thought last week, Dan, uh, Ted has kind of confirmed his decision that he's going to leave Richmond. He's going to go back home to Henry.
1: And in that moment, we know that the thought of it being a season finale where people were holding on hope for the fact that it said season finale on the episode description on Apple TV were potentially in Oz as well, and it was more of a series finale that we were walking into very, very early in the episode, and that took us to, Brandon, back to
0: hanging out with the the team. Right, and it is a little odd. Usually you don't say you're leaving before the season's over, but hey, Ted does it his own way, so... In the locker room, we get a final hilarious team scene. The end of the season, fines are being handed out by the Honorable Isaac McAdoo in something akin to Night Court or Judge Judy, essentially. I mean, he's got the gavel and everything, that chair. They got the music,
2: too. It was like that, like, punchy piano. Is awesome.
0: Sam is reading out the fines, and Judge McAdoo delivers the sentence, brilliant bit of humor in
2: a largely emotional episode. Um, you know, it... it, it there's there's one fine that's not right. on the uh, on the list for Sam, though, and that's uh, a, apparently uh, one assistant to the kit man, Nathan Shelley, has missed every training session, every match, every team dinner, and is fined 5,000 pounds, which shouldn't be a problem because he was making a Premier League manager salary and is now back as assistant to the kit man for reasons that are beyond explanation. But Sam lets everybody know, and I think this is, the right thing to do that. The team party at Ola is going to be off the chain. Now we're going to have an open bar and live band karaoke. Everyone goes crazy. I'm just sad that we didn't get to see the fucking party because that would have been awesome. That would have been a way better way to end this episode.
0: Well, they didn't rebuild the set, Nick, after the last
2: scene. Yeah. Where... Yeah. Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> the, the
0: lease was up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, at practice the next day, we see the team wrap up a session with fans watching and a melancholy looking Ted lets Roy know he can call an end to the session. He doesn't want the last day to be big deal. Roy looks annoyed, but we get a final act of musical theater as the team performs so long (laughs) goodbye from the sound of music with the implication that Roy has made them rehearse. Good on Roy. They nail it. And they go mental after approval from Ted. This is what makes the Lasso team so special—the camaraderie, Dan. This is what we get—the uh,
1: Lasso effect. Well, you get the Rodgers and Hammerstein Sound of Music element. And you get Roy adopting a little bit more of the Ted Lasso ethos in opening himself up to doing things that Roy of season one, episode one, would never consider doing. And we then we projects really forward into later parts of the episode where. He's asking about change, and this is one one element absolutely indicating that it is a massive change. And this is not, Nick, the only musical theater references. We've seen Oklahoma, West Side Story, The, the King and I. There's just been a ton of references to musical theater throughout the Ted, three seasons of Ted Lasso.
2: Well, this is a... Um a direct callback to this season when they were talking about Julie Andrews, right? And who their favorite version of Julie Andrews was and sound of music comes up. And uh, this is my grandmother's favorite movie. So I really enjoyed uh, watching this for sure.
0: Well, as we continue, it does become match day and AFC Richmond are on the precipice. As we said of achieving the first ever trophy since being founded in 1897 before the match. So Rupert goes into the owner's box, which is normal. But he goes to confront Rebecca. Uh, doesn't go to plan. Rebecca no longer cares about his nonsense. Sassy, love it. Wing woman of the year. There to <laughs> back her up. She even shows a little forgiveness, but for a funny reason.
2: <laughs> yeah, this this is really good. She, you know, like I love her expressiveness uh, when she's delivering lines. And she says, "Heard the news? Ooh, ouch." Looks like you're going to lose another team. My God, you get through them like wives or mistresses, or I'm assuming tubes of hemorrhoid cream. But in all seriousness, I do wish you the best because you're the fucking worst. And you know what? We all need a sassy right behind us at every single point willing to just give it the big Dan to uh, to ever in our pathway.
1: Look, again, we did talk about Nora and Sassy maybe not getting the minutes on this season, but a good opportunity for her to close it out with a bit of an all-timer in just how she lays it at the feet of Rupert and sends him to go enjoy the fake company of those who are just happy to be invited on his ticket and on his dime and aren't really the same people. You've got the contrasting boxes. You've got the people that Rebecca has surrounded herself with and the people that Rupert has surrounded himself with. And they tell different paths of people who've mm-hmm. built community and people who've
0: bought community. Good point. Good point. Well, uh, on the pre-match side, we get a magical cry sesh because Ted Lebbeard and Roy put together a slideshow as a way to say goodbye. Ed Sheeran's new tune plays. And it's waterworks for the team and fans around the world as we get to see behind-the-scenes footage of these actors, writers, producers, and directors having the time of their life making the show, which is like a really cool little meta moment that they had built in. The match montage is wild, and we get to see some of our favorite secondary characters enter the stadium like Shannon, Colin's boyfriend, and the older couple from season two. Double cameo for them later. That was
2: cool. Yeah, that was very, very cool. Uh, I like that Arlo kind of sets the stage here, too, as, they're, as we're kind of seeing these characters. He he really lays it on thick. AFC Richmond, founded in 1897. Since then, the team have been a picture of mediocrity. We learned that in Season 1, Episode 1, right? Where uh, Rebecca says the one thing that, they, that Ted has that they don't have is a trophy from this millennium, right? So they're kind of paying that off. They've been down... Or They've been up and down, mostly down, and in the club's history, they've never come close to what they could achieve today, a Premier League title. Fate is not entirely in their hands. Their adversaries in Manchester have the final say, but the Richmond faithful are here to applaud them for what they've already accomplished and to see if this miraculous season will pay off. And then you get the Michelle and Henry montage with Dr. Jacob really uh be continuing to be the worst <laughs> uh just just, the,
1: the, just an absolute d-bag
2: uh, right
1: that is where he is oh ready for the nil nil, nil draw nil, guys uh, kick it around for 90 minutes and nobody's gonna score come on come yeah. on you're yeah i just I, cheap points trying to get cheap points you're in the relationship already like you're you're uh, you're that out, self-conscious guy. about your situation you're the psychiatrist
2: yeah I, I also love that we get Dr. Sharon like she's she's on her apparently wherever she is. We know she travels around, right? She's on her hotel bed looking. The pub guys are ready. The fans are ready, Brandon. And uh, as we've seen multiple times, when all the stars align, it goes to shit. And uh, Richmond go down two nil to the now George Kartrick led West Ham United, which is absolutely fucking hilarious. I love this little callback to uh, the to season one where he's now coaching West Ham in replacement of Nate Shelley. And uh, look, the uh, city is also leading Liverpool. So this couldn't be going worse in terms of the title. This is basically the antithesis of what they need.
0: You're, you're not wrong. Everything is going the opposite direction that uh, they need it. You know, you can see just how desperate Rupert is uh, a bit embarrassingly his desperation. Um, but he's, he's pretty happy going into half. So, um, this is where we get probably the penultimate moment of brilliance from Ted. Uh, and this is where like his man management motivation skills come out in the, in the purest form. He says, well, fellas, we got a work cut out for us in the second half, but you know, I'll get to all that in a minute. Right now all I want to do is let you gentlemen know what an absolute honor it's been to be your coach getting to work with you all these last 3 years has truly been one of the greatest experiences of my life I'd love I've loved getting to know each and every one of you learning all about you men you were and getting a front row seat to see the men you all have become and I want to thank you for your patience with me you know when I showed up here I didn't know one thing about soccer but now well now I know at least I or I know one thing about football I'm just so gosh darn proud to be part of this team, you know, and I love you guys. I'm going to miss y'all. Now, regarding the second half, yeah, I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. You know what I mean? No one does. Sports would be a lot less fun if we did, you know, and you all would probably make a lot less money. So (laughs) we don't want to know the future. No, no, no. We want to be here right now. And look, I know we're down a couple goals, but I'm telling you, man, if y'all play hard, play smart, play together and just, you know, just do what y'all do. And we'll go out with the peace of mind knowing we did our best and that we tried. Yeah.
2: And he he looks up at the believe sign where it was during this. And I think everyone gets that like emotional, like, oh, yeah, like that's the thing. And Dan, that that then leads to a a second emotional moment, which was incredibly cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, if it definitely is a, uh, you know. Little dusty moment in, uh, in most households. Households Al- probably allergies that suddenly
2: one. strike up for you. Today. Allergies,
1: onions, whatever yeah. it is, there was something that was inducing a little bit of uh, liquid coming out from those uh, eyeball factories, and yeah, you saw that every member of the team had a little piece of the believe sign, and whether they were using it like Jamie did as a bookmark for you know his his book gifted to him by Ted. Or in the um, in their arm under the armband in the shin pads, just in places that were most important was where that element of the sign was, and so for each player it was just a little bit different. But what a cool way to show how they had adopted fully this philosophy philosophy the uh, the Ted Lasso way, as we refer to it as the Richmond way in. And that believe had become so core to what it is uh, and how they do what they do.
2: It was the elusive fourth principle of total football, Dan. That was that was what it was, uh, and I love I love this. Not repad. sacrifice,
1: not no, sacrifice. No, <laughs> uh,
2: he says. Uh, I know, like to, uh, folks like to say, "There's no place like home." Obviously, uh, referring to the Wizard of Oz. Uh, that's true, you know. But man, there aren't a whole lot of places like AFC Richmond either. One, two, three, Richmond. They go out hair on fire in the uh in the second half, Brandon.
0: Yeah, they did. I don't personally remember the last time I saw a sequence in which the goal had been struck so many times in a row. But hey, a little bit of theatrics for the team. Um, finally get the goal right, brings it back to one, two, uh, thanks to a back post upper 90s screamer from Jamie Tart, who, yeah. Had to uh, had to kind of find himself in this one, huh? Uh, Rupert comes down from the stands, pushes George Cartrick, injures because he wants him to injure Jamie, and he refuses. The stadium erupts, gives him the wanker treatment, and now Palpatine falling down into the well in outer space. He's gone at this point. There's no coming back. And actually, Rebecca looks sad for him, Dan. Yeah, it's a realization of how far
1: she's observed him fall from grace. And, you know, they at one point loved each other. And so even if the downfall is the doing of that own individual and their inability to change and their inability to make positive momentum, particularly as we saw... Couple episodes prior, Rebecca was willing to entertain the fact that she could have maybe an a, an adult relationship with Rupert, that they could be on the same sides of things, that they could laugh about a food fight, uh, talking about a revived Super League. Seeing that his fall to now lose the new club, to lose the lose the thing that he loves so much first in AFC Richmond, to have all the supporters hate him where they once adored him and wanted him back. Has been an absolute transformation, and the true turning into the absolute dark side and and losing.
2: That, that that's the interesting, striking thing too. I just uh, the other day rewatched the uh, the charity ball episode from season one. I think it's episode four, and he comes in. He's full of life, full of laughter. Everyone loves him. He's kind of the center of attention. And this season, he's like a shriveled up shell of a person. Right, his tone is is really moderated he looks sickly he's kind of like walking with a limp uh throughout the game obviously wearing the uh you know all the the dark clothing and stuff like that so yeah his uh de-evolution has been uh been striking but uh he gone it's uh ova over for him
1: well, we also learned about the dangers of uh, inseam shorts that are under about three <laughs> inches. Yeah,
0: Great his socks back. were definitely taller than his shorts were long. Um, look, Jamie had to decide to get another moment of greatness from Ted. They were playing down where Jamie's trying to figure out if he's going to be injured. Comes back on, makes the run, gets the penalty, and they put a little hot potato. Nick, does, it's not that no one wants it. It's just selflessness.
2: Nice little callback to the uh, the practice early the season where Ted tried to encourage Isaac to uh, not be boxed into who he's been coached to be, and uh, so they they all give Isaac the penalty, and he looks nervous as hell, um, and he goes and puts it through the net. Uh, at first you, you get the view as if he kind of put it over the bar, Dan, but he goes and puts it through the net. Uh, the, uh, just unbelievable Mike Dean, who was a terrible referee before he quit, um, goes and sees it and awards the goal, uh, to, to Richmond. The replay shows it goes through the net and, uh, and we're tied. Holy shit. Well, I tell you what,
0: uh, I, I missed it. I was not expecting this. So I don't know. Clever, right? Not not real, but clever. I give him that. Um, and then you get the, uh, the, the opportunity, right. To, to go for Well, I guess, you know, the $5 I do just want to call out the moment when he unfurls it and he looks at it under the sun and beard is like, what do you, th- it's real. I promise. And Ted's like, don't let this, let this be a reflection on you. Like, Hey man, I got a problem. Let me figure this out. I, I, I
2: did really. He's, enjoy he's the that. only person in the stadium that knows that's offside. Yeah. Whereas he doesn't in the in the season one finale. And like it's a I think this was on the internet everyone's favorite callback to season one. Dan was the offside thing and the like the little chuckle uh that he knew what was going on when the rest of them were, were sad. I think when we did our predictions for this season, we did mention that we
1: thought Ted would evolve in his understanding of football both. And I think that came true way more than we thought it would, especially mm-hmm. understanding offside, which is one of the more difficult things initially for people to grasp at times, even though it is a, if, yeah you know, if, if U eights under eights can grasp it under six can grasp it, it should be easier for people coming to the sport to understand it. But, you know, it could be confusing, understandably. And
0: Ted has picked it up finally. Well then, in another nod to season one, the team runs Nate's play. Right. And and again, them trying to mime it on the sidelines. Oh, it's a little heavier. Nate, bending your knees. <laughs> uh, anyways, long story short, it's the uh, Oscar for the SB where Jamie is the decoy and Sam scores the winning goal. Barbecue sauce, raptures from the
2: terraces. Richmond till we die. Richmond till we die. No, we are. So we, aren't rich till we die. Yeah. And then
0: it's absolute. Mayhem in the best way possible. By the way, I I was watching on the show, Dan. There, there's no hoardings, there's no advertising boards. People literally just walked out of their seat and (laughs) onto the pitch.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to to be fair, the the stadium that they use in Crystal Palace, you know, Crystal Burke Crystal Palace play, uh, is the ground is very close to where the actual action is taking place. So the first row is very much a like hop-and-go type of situation. There's not a lot of distance in between supporters and the action on the pitch. And so we get Nate and Ted... Embracing, hugging, celebrating the fact that this goal came off the way that they had drawn it up. You get Colin getting a chance to uh you know, embrace and kiss with his guy and, and do it the same way that he talked about earlier in the season about wanting the ability to just do it and have it not be an issue. And then, of course, Nick, it wouldn't be I you you talk about callbacks. I actually think this is my favorite callback okay. in terms of season start to season uh, sorry series start to season end which is the opportunity for ted lasso to get the running man going and to have it critiqued about i don't know how i feel about a white guy doing the running man
2: <laughs> yeah the go lasso go lasso go is uh is pretty awesome and you know you you noted earlier he's wearing the red shoes and clicking the heels and doing his thing and and look it, it's it ends up being that this Dramatic victory is all for naught, right? Because Man City do indeed uh, win the game; they win the title. But what a season for Richmond Brandon to to come up to the Premier League to finish in second place, above West Ham by twenty some odd points at the end of it. And uh, and this team with with their core beliefs and their uh, championship level talent have overachieved all year. Well, the funny thing about that is, like, you say championship, but like the roster really didn't
0: change from Premier League down to Championship back, so they got to retain most of their players, parachute payments. If you want a deep cut and go learn what those are, uh, but yeah, you know, I was coming to this, I was like, I know as much as that would be a wild fairy tale. I was like, I think this is probably just one too many, and I'm glad that they kind of ended it this way, where it was still a massive success. They ended on a high. I just felt like them winning it would have been a, a step too far even you know for, for show writing. So I thought this was good. I mean, it was hard enough to track all the points, Dan, and their streaks. I'm like, wait, they're down here. Now they're up here. We're over here. Uh, and, and so clearly, West Ham absolutely nose bombed in the back end of the season. Um, but it was great. It was all the feels. It was the excitement. And it, and it gave the, the emotional reaction that I think that they wanted to.
1: Man, the only thing we're going to be missing out on with a future season in the not in the cards at the moment is Richmond away days across Europe. How many fun locations oh, and man. clubs could AFC Richmond had an opportunity to go? Maybe was it the Bernabeu or the Olympicos? Some wonderful destinations. Potentially other managers that they could have looped in, maybe Roma and Mourinho or other <laughs> individual. Paris and Mourinho, depending upon how it works. Uh, Carlo and uh, Real Madrid. There, there will be so many really fun cameos that we won't get a chance to see. But in the headcanon, AFC Richmond, maybe not win the league, but it might be a great cup side and pushing hard on that
0: Champions League final in the,
1: the fourth season. Well,
0: if it's there, they're going to have to figure a way to tie it in. But, hey, we're going to take an ad break. When we get back, everything off the pitch we got a ton more coming your way. So, thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. So, off the pitch, AKA the workplace stuff, we got to break it up. We got to break it up by people, by characters, by pairs again. And sure enough, Ted and Beard. Ted's journey is nearly complete. He's in his office, gets a text from Michelle that Henry has a countdown clock for his arrival in Kansas. That's when Beard shares that Jane has sh- shredded his passport. Their weird relationship has somehow made it, but it's all good. He has citizenship elsewhere. What a backup we don't plan. Need
2: to, yeah, we don't need to reveal where because that's a trivia question for later. Don't you worry about it. But
0: Trent comes in, gives draft copies of the book he's writing. Looks a little thin to me, but that's all right. Hey, uh, asks for notes. Says we learned the title is what we have suspected since he uttered the words in season one, the lasso way and Trent says, look, I can't finish the book until the season ends, obviously, but before you leave, I'd love to get your thoughts. Let me know if there's anything you disagree with. I won't take it out, but I'm happy to tell you where you're wrong.
2: I I love the beard. Just starts reading it immediately. Overly prosaic! And then Trent's I I gotta leave this. (laughs) Red pen. Goes right for the red pen. You can tell that he's
1: a a beard is uh, echoing his real-life personality and Brendan with the red striking through it as a writer would.
2: Yeah. You get a little, you get a little late night though. Ted is still there. I think, you know, we, we get, we get a little melancholy nostalgia Ted in this episode. Um, yeah. I think he, he understands what he has there. And so he's, he's reading his copy of the, the last away Trent comes back, uh, wants to know if he thinks it's any good. Ted is not giving anything away. Uh, we all hate the laugh police. Remember that, uh, and he, you know what? He heads into the stadium to kind of take it all in on his last day, right? He's he's sitting there, and then, Dan, we get him interrupted by Rebecca, uh, who has one more gambit to throw at him.
1: Yeah, she lets him know that she's ready to talk about it now, and she goes on a long conversation talking about how they're, they're joined. You know, if you go, I'm going to go. If you stay, we both stay. I can make you the highest paid manager in the Premier League if I sell 49% of the team. I'll get to retain ownership. You'll get to stay here. You'll be crazily paid. We can get Michelle to come over here and we can go to school here. It's going to be so much better. Like I'm laying out the case for every reason why I think you should stay and realizing as she's laying out the case, putting together the argument – that it is not going to go the way that she wants. That it's going to cycle with the. Maybe we'll think about it. Maybe we'll sleep on it. But the answer isn't going to change. And yeah. Ted lets her know it's not.
2: I, I I love. I mean, she she asked him multiple times, "Would you please stay?" Right. And if I if you the,
0: go, the, I go. What a negotiating tactic.
2: Yeah, uh, I I think the one that the line that made me really sad that this is not going to continue is i think i'd still be underpaying you for what you mean to this club and that that is maybe the first time that someone in the show has vocalized to ted what he actually means to them because again like you you watch the mom city episode he's trying to help everyone else out and never helps himself right and we've said this multiple times that he doesn't get the compliments that like Keely gets or that Jamie gets or that Rebecca gets, he, he's the one kind of doing that job. And so I, I thought that was a really cool moment. And I think kind of echoes how everyone probably feels about him uh, from the fan universe, which is like, he is the, the reason why this is happening. He's taken this whole thing, and completely flipped it into something dramatically different than it was when he first got, arrived at the club
0: well a lot i mean again this whole this whole episode right just wave after wave of different things too and and that was another one but uh you know finally get to a few days after final game we pick it up with ted he's at the airport waiting for his flight back to kansas city he's looking at the magazines when the everyday independent has a story of rebecca selling 49% of the club to the fans She's not Let's go. She's not leaving after all. It's their club. We're just borrowing it for a bit. Um and Rebecca's there. Bought a first class ticket out of habit. <laughs> she didn't even give it to him, but we already saw he was in first class. Uh and they just have a moment. They get an ussy. Uh we thought we we're going to get the rom-com, maybe a goodbye kiss, but we don't. He says Uh, I see you're sticking around though, huh? She says, well, Ted, you're going home to your family and I actually want to stay with mine. And that's where they leave us.
2: But we still have two of our friends together and that's Ted and Beard. And, you know, fresh off of the last episode, Dan, where uh, Ted really challenged Beard to figure out the forgiveness piece of his uh, character. Uh, These two back on the plane... And we get the little callback to to the first episode in in season one, right? Which, is this nuts? Yeah.
1: It's the, you know, saying goodbye, understanding that he understand that air conditioning is a privilege and not a right. <laughs> love that because that is totally something a individual, particularly in hot places in the US, uh un, you know, have to deal with with their first time potentially overseas whether it's in uh, UK, Europe or or several other countries where uh, but beer just lays it out, can't do it, doesn't want to go in love with Jane. Oh, we knew that. We knew that with all the conversation about ropes and crazy other things that they've gotten into. Ripped
0: out his they were, heart, they were, they were stomped meant, on it everywhere, just the way meant he Meant for
1: it. each other. And they have to come up with a way to get him off the plane because the door is shut. And look, Ted, one last great act for his friend, tells him that the appendix is on the other side <laughs> yeah. as Beard fakes out.
2: That was great.
1: Fakes out, bursting an appendix. And Ted gets called an asshole, takes the takes the asshole comment for not going to the hospital with his friend.
0: I mean, they didn't (laughs) talk about this over beers beforehand. We're waiting till like T minus takeoff. Come on, guys. It
2: was it was really telling, though, that you like based on the story that we now know how Ted took Beard in at his lowest point, that Beard feels this incredible sense of loyalty that we already knew they had for each other. But that he didn't want to let Ted down, right? He didn't want to let him down. He was prepared to follow him back to Kansas and leave his his the love of his life or whatever. And you know, I think that shows a lot of growth, and it's a, it's a really cool scene. Uh, and and both of them have grown in their own ways, right? From where we first met them, they're they're wholly different people, which I thought was a nice kind of way to wrap their arc together. Absolutely.
0: If we if we focus on just Rebecca here, she's in her office a little bit earlier. The brain trust Rebecca, Keely Higgins are all chatting PR stuff. Keely says, the press are asking if you have any comments on Rupert's divorce. Rebecca, hmm, yes, of course, but no, no comment. Keely, moving on, uh, Leslie and I are asking if you have any comments on Rupert's divorce. <laughs> Juicier the better, safe space. Also, no comment. Boo the boss. But then Higgins spins it up a little bit. Dana went from a safe space to an uncomfortable space. Well, Higgins
1: is dropping dropping the bombs. The fact that look, we have got to get a new coach. We have to we have to think about it. He even threw in a basketball coach from New Zealand to spice it up because <laughs> he's trying to maybe replicate that same magic that brought Ted as a unlikely figure to propel Richmond to the highest high that the club has ever seen. And Rebecca doesn't want to deal with it, Nick, but then Higgins gets into the other opportunities here because when you win or nearing a win in the Premier League, the the sponsors are going to come knocking. The valuation is going to be on the rise. There's going to be money moves to be made.
2: Definitely. I mean, it's why the teams in the Premier League want to get that Champions League spot so much, right, is is the money is just that much bigger better, and you can do so much more with your club Um you know, he says the guaranteed spot in the Champions League. We have so many requests to buy a piece of the club, right? Values at an all-time high. So it's worth considering. We know what kind of happens here based on the, the TED conversation that we just had. But you give up 49%, retain full control, and make a huge pile of cash. We can buy more players, renovate the stadium. Keeley wants the uh, heated seats that they have at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because, you know, winter in England's not a, a ton of fun, admittedly. Uh, and then... Uh, Rebecca hits him square in the job. What would I get if I sold the entire club uh, and they freak out? And then she says, why not? I only got the, into this to ruin Rupert's life and he's doing a pretty damn good job of that. So how much he said off the, off the top of my head, I'd say 2 billion. Uh, and everyone's like, holy shit. And I think that's about right for a premier league club these days. Like honestly, I, I was at first hearing that number, and, and look, Richmond haven't ever won anything. Their stadium isn't that big. Like, there's a lot of factors that kind of go into the sale of a club, as our team, Chelsea, just went through that last year. But, I mean, just if it's a club in London, the real estate costs, like, everything that kind of goes into that, it's a, you know, it's a hefty thing. And then if you're going to play Champions League, that's the real draw to it. So I, I don't think that number is, like, crazy, Dan.
1: It. I was gonna say it felt a little undervalued just within the the rate we've seen teams go for, and even percentages of teams go for. I mean, I would imagine you're gonna see somewhere in the if Manchester United eventually gets sold in the six billion potentially range. Yeah, uh, but and this again, is more they, like they,
2: Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth was like uh, nine hundred million or something. Like,
1: you know, it, so here's the thing: if Ted was staying around if they were going to reinvest in more players and then they were going to sell it like you could probably get into the 3 range i think pretty fairly and maybe maybe the 2s after taxes and uh, writing down things is of uh, a lot of that the net proceeds that rebecca will recoup from the deal
0: Anyway, the only thing that is uh, a premium for them is that they're in London, right? And that is way more attractive than, to your point, Nick, being in Bournemouth or the Midlands or something else. So being in an international city definitely will attract a premium, which is great. And we've been to Richmond. It is a lovely part of London. Beautiful. Bit posh which is fun a bit posh indeed so she's in a bit of a spiral as what to do without ted the magic they created together just doesn't seem as appealing without the whole setup in place so who does she go and see her mom they have lunch at the crown and anchor and uh, i guess just the back and forth you know mom says i mean when your father died i was terrified of being alone but now i've learned so much about <laughs> myself this last year and i've been right all along you know I really am exceptional. And Rebecca says, right, mother, you know that Ted isn't dying. He's just moving back to America. You say potato. I say potato. Rebecca's like, I've been thinking about selling the club. I know. Is that crazy? And her mom says, no, I love it. Go for it. Take the money and run. Explore the world. And more importantly, explore
2: yourself. I love love that line for her, right? It's something that she's been tiptoeing around. She's made a lot of improvements in her own life and for herself, but exploring herself and, like, getting out of her comfort zone, is not necessarily... uh, I wouldn't call Rebecca a free spirit, Dan. This is not someone who uh, just kind of floats around like Beard does. This is someone who probably has to take that leap.
1: Maybe strikes me as someone who would sell out of it and then maybe spiral for just a bit because having the structure, having something to do, and immediately going to having absolute freedom and no driving force in that exact moment would be a bit of a wobbly road to go down. It is not the yellow brick road if that is the <laughs> path that she is taking in this moment. It is a, a little bit more of the opposite direction that most people might expect from her.
0: Well, May comes over and has a laugh with Rebecca's mom. We find out that Jeremy Paul and Baz, the the three fans that have been a constant throughout actually took care of the check for the owner of their football club, which is kind of a power move, if we're being honest. And they just want to say thank you. They said, we just want to say thank you for everything you've done for the club. The love and care you have for this team is inspiring, kind of like that mother we never had. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, this goes back and gives her a yep. deeper perspective in and what it means to own a club and who it's really for, like we talked about earlier. So uh, really good stuff from Rebecca there uh, as we see her kind of journey through it. Uh, but we're going to take a quick ad break when we be back. We're going to jump in right away with the Keely, Roy, Jamie, because how could you separate these three you branches intertwined in love? Question mark. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. So, yeah, little love triangle. You know, passing triangle, love triangle, drama triangle. Uh, Callback to season one, Roy surprises Keely in the parking lot again. Scares the shit out of her. He's clearly trying to win her back with some small talk before it goes a bit off track. Says, what are you thinking about? He goes, stuff. She goes, terrifying. Hmm, good to
2: see you, Roy. <laughs> just it's so dumb. He's like, there's something like terrifying in my head. Stuff. Like he's clearly trying to win her back. And then, you know, Keeley just like, I've had enough of you. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm going, whatever. She then uh, of course, walks into uh, the stadium heads to uh, get Ted and beard. their going away gifts with explicit instructions to not look at the gifts until they're on the plane. Even she is trying to get them to stay though. She's like, or you could just not get on the plane. Look at them now. Right. Um, and this is all while giving kind of some final instructions to the team. She walks in a locker room. You guys decent. I'll call back to season one. Right. And, uh, then, Dan, Jamie has a, a hell of an ass for. It's it's a pretty wild one.
1: Well, look, Jamie has been the star player of the team. He's been the star player of a team that is, at this point, on the precipice of potentially winning the Premier League, going into the Champions League, and Nike ringing the phone and saying, oh, you know, we'd like you to do this photo shoot, but Jamie's saying, like, look, I, I can't go if... I don't have my PR purse with me. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to do something foolish. Like, I got to be under control because this this is out of my wheelhouse. Like the and,
2: Brunicorn? You want another <laughs> Brunicorn, Dad? Is that what you want? <laughs> no.
1: We're getting to a point, though, where he invites Keely and she happily accepts the trip and lets her know that ultimately he's, you know, she's going to get a phone call from someone at Nike. They're going to situate it. And Roy... You get the little almost like horror movie shot where you see Roy at the very distance having to watch all of this unfold in front of him, Brandon. And it uh, does not do good
0: things to Roy's mental state. Oh, it's true. Uh, We know he's a little bit fragile. So, you know, why why not have a casual, non-threatening beer at at Bones and Honey? You know, just just where we've had so many other interactions go well. Um, Roy says, whatever happens on Sunday, I want you to know I'm proud of you all the work you put in this year, Jamie says, thank you for your help too, you know, for, for motivating me, encouraging me. I haven't really had that from the older men in me life. Real talk, man. Thank you. And they do share a good moment.
2: It was, it was nice there for a moment. Yeah. Um, and then we get the regression of all regressions and their dick measuring competition to try and win. This, this felt super off to me, by the way, I I didn't like a, a large part of this episode, but this one, felt like a massive regression where they just start to bicker and argue and, and dick measure amongst each other for the stuff. And it's just like for all the progress that both of them had made, it just felt so dumb. Um, of course, then, uh, we get the ring of Keely's door. They're both bloodied and and battered and bruised and, uh, you know, they, they walk over there to, you know, throw down a, a real deal for Keely. Who do you want to pick amongst these two wretches? And she gets to out. choose. <laughs> Just I get dumb. to choose. She goes, she goes, Don't say it. She's like, Don't,
0: <laughs> don't say it. And they did. And then it was, yeah, door slammed shut behind them. And they're both like, that was dumb. You hungry? And they're back to friends again.
1: Um well, no, no, not back to friends, because Roy reminds him that he is in fact in training.
2: That's a good friend.
0: And he can watch. He can watch Roy eat a kebab, <laughs> an accountability, buddy. We all need him, right? So Roy, a little bit later,, um, you know, before the match, to ask for an emergency meeting of the Diamond. he he asked for the Diamond dogs. But to be to be fair, he, this is the first time he's been like overly vulnerable. talks about how he's been busting his ass for the last year, trying to change. But apparently it didn't work. And Ted says, well, did you want to be somebody else? Like someone better? And Roy's like, well, don't can't people change? And they go back this back and forth. And Trent chimes in and he goes, I don't think we change. We just learn to accept who we've always been, which is probably his story, right? Nate says, oh, no, I think people can change. They, they definitely can. You know, sometimes the worst and sometimes for the better, which, again, is... Wink. Yeah, his story. Mm -hmm. Roy says, not me. I'm still the same idiot I've always been. Ted says, agree to disagree, big guy. I mean, come on. You just piped up out of nowhere and finally asked to become a diamond dog. Pretty big change if you ask me. And then Beard with the home run says, change isn't about trying to be perfect. Perfection sucks. Perfect is boring. And then Higgins takes the alley and hits the oop, says, human beings are never going to be perfect, Roy. The best we can do is keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you keep on doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. And they just they they help him with it, right? They, yeah, you get the rough rough from Roy. Look, oh man,
2: it's it's a really cool thing what they've done with Diamond Dogs because like I think the the trope that they're trying to kind of counterbalance is that men don't talk to each other about important shit, and uh, Roy is the test case for this, right? He's the person that holds it inside and and isn't forthcoming about what's going on in his life, and the fact that they have this little support group here. And they're able to use it one last time in its traditional sense to, to help Roy become better is crucial. And, and look, I'm, I'm pumped that they did that because it's everyone needs help at some point. Right. It doesn't matter if you're the biggest, baddest athlete in the world or if you're just a regular person going to work. So, um, you know, it's a really important part of the whole mental health conversation. It's not just about going to see a therapist. Hopefully you have a support system around you to help make things better.
0: Looking at Nate. Um, not as much here, because I mean, he's he kind of reverted back to quiet behind the scenes, Nate. He, he blends in a lot more now, but he, he is the assistant kitman to Will. I thought he would have been on the coaching staff, but I agree that would have been too abrupt, right? But that's the way they kept playing it up. So he's assistant kitman. All right, good to know. We see him in the locker room late at night, and we finally get the apology to Ted. He's looking at where the belief sign used to be when Ted scares him.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is the... Th- their scene together, I think, was was one of the best of the episode. Well, I mean,
0: when you have a human cotton ball,
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the, you know, Nate Nate says, "Listen, Ted." Ted says, "I know it's okay." He says, "No, please, please, can I just say it? I'm sorry." And of course, then cries, you know, into his arms, Dan, and then they're both looking up at where the belief sign was, and I think this whole sequence is just genius. I absolutely loved it.
1: You get Ted talking about how Nate's really off the hook because he took it down twice and ripped it up two times himself when <laughs> Nate only did it one time. And he mentions that he still sees it up there when he looks up there. That, you know, you can imagine that as a person when something gets moved, an artifact changes locations in the home, a, a painting, a, a record, a plant, something that just evokes. A meaning or a feeling of where it sat. And even though it doesn't remain there physically anymore, the connection to that location lives on. And Nate lets him know how lovely it is. I think the one thing we didn't mention about Nate and his journey in this episode was going around to collect the finds with yeah. his box. I and. Like that was a great callback with Jamie in particular too where he had, in the first season put the gum in the box and this season is just stuffing extra money into it it was really a, a true reflection of how much he has changed where you know he cares so much for his team he cares so much for ensuring that everybody has a good time cuz uh, you know they're going to play through me <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was it was good and again like remember uh, Nate's actor character on Twitter has been getting roasted for a long time. Oh my god! So now poor guy. we get the ending, right? We get the the. I think this is gonna take him off the the firing line a little bit because everybody's happy again. But the ending, right? We've got father and son by Cat Stevens playing in the final montage. We get to see our heroes get their due. Rebecca, <laughs> Dan,
2: Dan, Dan, texted me right as this was like ending, and he's like. Just it's it's a beautiful song, right? I mean yeah. this is your this is your moment, please. this it.
1: is a crime. It is a crime <laughs> against the viewer that this is the song they chose because, look, if you're gonna go for some emotional heartstrings and you're really gonna just amp up the level of of emotion. You, you stockpile all of this, right? You've got all of these scenes that you're going to run people through and these journeys that you're going to wrap up in quick fashion for all of these characters. And then you're going to drop Cat Stevens on top of it, too. Again, crime, absolute crime. Every court I, is going to convict them.
2: <laughs> my, my thought for I thought this month I knew there was going to be one of these. Right. It always happens. I thought they were going to do good by Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. Instead, and I think that would have been a worked. good choice. But I, when when this started playing, that little acoustic note that they hit at the beginning, I was like, "Oh boy, here we go! <laughs> this is the here come the waterworks? It's all happening." So Rebecca runs into
0: Dutch boat guy, as we so affectionately called him here, and his daughter outside the airport. Uh, I guess he's a pilot. We see Trent look at the notes. Sure, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. I guess that makes sense way as a, a, a small home on the river.
1: Well, he, he mentioned that he was a pilot in the episode. Yeah. So he, we just – we get the realization that he just happens to be in route and on duty that day. And uh, you you do get
2: the
1: uh, – as a kid as well, which is interesting.
2: Well, we knew that because of the room and stuff, but like, yeah, whatever. This is this annoyed the absolute hell out of me. But continue, please. All
0: right. Well, we see Trent look at the notes, stand from Ted and Beard.
1: Yeah, he has the uh, beard. Has the <laughs> the notes? All the all the notes in it covered Tabulated. Ted's feedback. Oh yeah, multiple <laughs> colors like that. That looked like uh, you know my last paper I wrote in college uh, when a professor gave it back to me. Uh, this one, uh, which I would have preferred head style of feedback was just the great job loved it but changed the name you know it's not about me it never was boom and then trent gets the book tour he's signing it he's engaging with the audience it is the rich afc richmond way and uh, shannon is first in line to get his autograph
2: nice little touch there i yeah. also like that uh keely and barbara the new uh New dynamic duo in, in PR in London have now formed KBPR. Uh, so it's not just about Keeley anymore. They're partners. They're thriving. They. I think we get some of our formerly departed colleagues all And not in together. suits.
1: They yeah. are dressed down a little bit.
2: Yeah, they're dressed a like... a
1: relaxed environment.
2: Advertising people. I'm um, I'm in this business. So modern yeah, it's professionals. Like, yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, but what was really great about the sequence for Keeley, who I think... Um, you know, had a really good episode despite not being on camera that much is that she brings Rebecca a brand new idea. What if we started an AFC Richmond women's team and they kind of do their little ee- celebration and stuff like that. So everyone in their brain is like spin-off, Boom. That's that's where that's going to go.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I don't think there's enough there for a spin-off. spin-off. Uh, my wife and I, when we saw KB Pierre, we're like, wait, what's Roy's last name? What's Jamie's last name? We're like, Kent Tart. Oh, All right. Well, never mind. Oh, it's Babs. (laughs) So we got a little startled on that one. Uh, Rebecca welcomes Roy as the new manager of AFC Richmond. Beard and Nate are his assistants. He's the logical choice. We also see that he's in therapy and Dr. Sharon is back as now the team's psychologist in an official role. Time to work on himself, but at least he has a lasso army man there to protect him. Uh Nate and Jade and the whole gaggle of Shelly's at the Taste of Athlans. We're seeing a little growth here, Dan. Again, is the Taste <laughs> of Athens the only
1: restaurant? <laughs> like Sam, Sam's your guy. You can't make it back to old last Ola. time. That place uh, looks awesome. Come uh, on. I, man. I, I'm I'm just Don't so disappointed there. I <laughs> uh, you know, look, but uh you know, Nate. His dad, they're they're in a positive relationship. Fathers and sons being shown multiple times. Uh, in those type of familial relationships. Not the first time we see a father and son feature in this montage, but he puts the belief sign back together with some paint. So uh, similar to the way that the bowl has been repaired. Sugi, yeah. Yes. So you know, get a uh, get a little bit of uh, the mending that's required
2: when something is broken to make it stronger. That's right. Sam, of course, we knew this was going to happen. Breaks whatever curse or billionaire was in front of him, right? Uh, And makes the Nigerian national team. The photo is really cool at the end because everyone has their like game face on, and he has this big old smile on his face. Uh, Pearly whites are sticking out in, in full force, so we get him, you know, kind of fulfilling a lifelong dream, which is amazing. And then. We get one that you know. I don't know if any of us really saw coming until until Mom City, which is that Jamie seemingly starting to forgive his dad. Right, he goes to visit him, visit him in what we think is a rehab facility, and despite what his own mom had said last episode, people can change, even people who are on the worst possible track. And so, I, I thought that was a pretty cool sequence because it was clear that it was eating him alive. So. I like that one a lot. Gotta love Father
0: Higgins rocking that barbecue ah, for the whole amazing. team. Amazing. Uh, has the
2: chef hat on? Yeah. <laughs> so you know where chef hats will barbecue, Higgins. Come on.
0: So to the family we're born with and the family we make along the way. And most importantly, to Richmond. He's truly been the glue of the organization, as Zava pointed out earlier this season. Baz, Jeremy, Paul, May are now shareholders in AFC Richmond. May, most of all, she had a fat (laughs) stack of shares.
1: We did did forget to mention that Zava did make an appearance through his (laughs) avocado farm with the largest avocado we've ever seen, the size of a child.
2: That's a Zavocado, Dan. That's right.
1: Yeah, it's a a, a TM registered uh, corporation there. We make sure we get that. But yes, we we do have Baz, uh, Jeremy and Paul and May, all shareholders, part of that 49 percent of the community that now owns the club, which again, like that doesn't exist at the top level of football. Like there are clubs that have some level of community ownership there yeah, the, 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 it is exactly the German model. It's actually what many fans in the UK would happily move towards as a mm-hmm. ideology for how their clubs should be run.
2: I I, I lo- Can we not give Baz, Jeremy, and Paul their own one share apiece? Do we all have to be on the same on the same share? Uh, there's a, ch- a crown and anchor trivia question coming up about them and their full names, but uh, but that's that. <laughs> Well, Beard and
0: Jane, who's clearly pregnant, get married. Well, we think it's a marriage ceremony. Not sure. Its location is uh hilarious. The team are there. Uh their best man. I Maybe mean, there's there's all these things. I'm like, you could have sat at that scene for another thirty seconds.
1: Okay. This one was probably the worst scene in the montage. Because yeah, okay, you got to see oh. Um Danny can, you know, ha- you know run through multiple uh, relationships at any given time. He can multitask in a way that, you know, a lot of other people can get approval Which to multitask another throwback, in that capacity. right? I- I- again, but, like, Ted not being there as best man does not compute. Like, that Fucking is a dumb. fantasy type of move there. And, like, I get, that, like, you've now separated them through continents and he's back home and they're over there and then life moves forward. Ted would absolutely be there
0: for the wedding. That is, that is bad storytelling. Bad, boo. bad storytelling. i boo them for that. So the last one here, Ted opens his gift from Keeley. It's the Richmond Green Snow Globe. To again, which my wife pointed out, we've been there. We sure have. <laughs> sure he have. He then dozes off on the flight while reading How to Change Your Mind, the New Science of Psychedelics. From Beard, he lands and gets an Uber home on well, Uber Black. Uber Black Lux is what he got on the way home. Ooh, uh, a Mercedes? He, Why not? He got to see Henry and coach his soccer games. He seems happy, which is good.
2: Question mark? Yeah, I don't know.
1: Uh, it's interesting the song they play at the very end uh, it's from the Flaming Lips uh, early 2000 uh, song if you were into any type of indie music at the time you were enjoying that but uh, it's fight test and there's a a lot of lyrics in there that I think are interesting but it was like I I thought I was smart I thought I was right, better not to fight I thought there was a virtue in always being cool Um, but like just very interesting because I felt like that was not a a song that wraps it i think that's a song that almost feels like a pause button
2: yeah i agree it it felt very much like uh the nate shelley like the close-up on nate where they played run the jewels last year where like a lot of energy into it and stuff like that we will talk about the future of the show and the season recap which is coming next but brandon if you don't mind i will take the the final main theme of this season thank you uh contrary to what Ted wrote to Trent Krim, it is about Ted. It always was. Uh, The mission is complete. Ted got this team of individuals to coalesce and play as a team. More importantly, he did what he really cared about doing, which is help them become the best versions of themselves. He used soft power. Soft power is the way to kind of create the atmosphere, allows for individuality and growth. Even when people went out of their way to sabotage him as a person, He forgave them. And now I think I speak for everybody that we hope that he continues this great work on himself, because, you know, when his when his mom, you know, kind of gave that away last week that always run around helping everybody else without taking a second for himself. Like that's going to catch up with him at some point if maybe it already has. Um, I I do just want to read his speech again from the from halftime. All I want to do is let you gentlemen know what an absolute honor it's been to be your coach. Getting to work with you guys the last three years truly been one of the greatest experiences of my life. I love getting to know each and every single one of you, learning about the men you were, and getting a front row seat to see the men that you have all become. That's the lesson here, man. I mean, he, he did it. And uh, while he will pass credit to everybody else, I am not going to allow that. It is about him.
0: Well, again, there's a lot that we still need to cover, but we're going episode by episode. Uh, so next up will be the, the, you know, season three review. But we still have Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia. Weird questions and observations. You had quite a few here, Nick.
2: Well, a couple bonus ones. I mean, we're getting toward the end. So allow me a little bit of, of uh, extra here. Uh, what country of origin is Beard's Other Passport from? Uh, we didn't get the, he has two other passports. We only got the name of one of them. Though, so that's fine. Uh, question number two, what did Rebecca have a dream about doing, uh, while she was out finding herself a very funny, uh, little trope, uh, question number three, <laughs> this is a great one, uh, who got hit in the face with McAdoo's laser rocket penalty through the net. Bam! Right in the old and uh, right in the old nose there.
0: Yeah, talking about speaking of getting weird.
2: <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Question number four: What are the full names of our pub uh, foursome? That is Baz, Paul, Jeremy, and May. We see them on the uh, certificates. Question number five: How much did Jamie get fined for snoring during meditation? Absolute fraud! Everyone else was sleeping too, apparently. Uh, question number six, where do Beard and Jane get married? Very famous location. Should be a pretty easy one to knock out. And then number seven, and my favorite of all of the questions that we have, what does Roy hang in the coach's office in place of where Ted had the pyramid of greatness from John Wooden? An absolute lovely bit of uh, of series rap there. So all of these are wonderful. Hit us up uh, in, in social uh, at Pot Underdogs to uh, to get that done. Well, winner, winner,
0: football dinner. Who won the episode? Look, you said it, Nick. It's all about Ted. I mean, hard hard to argue at that point. A lot of different people could have it. Maybe he <sighs> wasn't the most impactful one, but he rallied his team, connected with his team though, and got the result on the biggest stage. He was a closer in this episode. He he closed. I
1: would say he probably had the best in terms of close rate. Like he. Got Roy to get into the Diamond Dogs. Got the closure there. Had the offside situation with Beard. Uh, supported his friend in, in following his dream of the love of his life. Like, I, I think, I think he's he's probably the winner. It doesn't feel like it, you know. It's one of the ones where like it's an unsatisfying victory that like could yeah. go down. It, it's like people are going to debate like which rounds they won throughout the episode. It goes to decision. It goes to the cards. And I think Ted just narrowly edges it, though you could probably have given it to three or four different people because it's a serious finale, and that's just what happens.
2: If I had to make a case for anyone, I think it would be Rebecca because she ends up selling the team to the fans, which is really cool, apparently finds this dude who we've met once in the whole series, whatever, and generally seems happy, might start a, a women's team. I think there's a stronger case for her than Ted going back to Kansas to be miserable so that is my my hot take on that but if you guys have voted ted i respect democracy and that has worked. well this gives
0: you your ted and nonsense continuing because they would be tied at three <laughs> a piece and they would end they'd have to share the podium nick i don't think in, a lot of people would complain about that so uh well look that's it for this episode of the underdogs episode 12 in the books. Please connect with us on at Pod underdogs. We're not done. You're not done. Let's keep it going on social media. And if you'd be so kind again, those 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating review, we're going to keep asking because it really does help. And as people come across this in the future, you know how like friends got popular again, 20 years later, like this will probably do that in the streaming as well. And we need to have those reviews so they can find us and they can enjoy it just like you did. Uh, so Yeah. We still got episodes. Don't worry. So we'll be back. Not with the next episode, but the next uh, episode review of season three. Until next time, have a great one.